and welcome to Feargenics. I'm Alex. And I'm Kelton. And today we are taking a look at Goodnight Mommy, a 2014 Austrian horror film. I love me some foreign horror movies. It is not in English. It's actually in German. Uh, so I have to watch Re the read subtitles. Read those subtitles. Yeah. I love subtitles, personally. I'm torn because I have to actually look at the film the whole time. Yeah. I, I feel like with subtitles, I the fact that I have to read it, like the fact that I literally have to look at the screen to understand what's going on in the story makes me more engaged. And like I usually, you know, know the movie better as a result of having to basically read the script. Well, not being able to cover my eyes made this movie a lot more terrible for me, at least on the first watch there. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you actually put it on the list because I thought it was a really interesting movie. I'm glad you liked it. So this movie is directed by, uh, it was actually dual directed by Veronica Friends and Severin Fiala. If I butchered those pronunciations, I apologize. And uh, our main stars in the film were Suzanne West and twins, Elias Schwarz and Lucas Schwarz. The directors also wrote the movie. Oh, really? Yes. So they knew it through and through. And in fact, I think they improvised a lot during production, which, you know, it's best if you can be writer-director in those situations. Yeah, yeah. Now, something I don't know if you noticed, but the kids' names are the same as their character names. I thought that was super cool. I mean, it's probably good for the kids, too. I mean, it's probably like, because they're just being themselves, right? Like, if their characters are Lucas and Elias, and that's what they've been called their entire lives then they're going to act like Lucas and Elias. They don't even have to be, you know, coached and towards and to, to act or whatever. It's just like, that's, they're, they're just two kids. Goodnight Mommy follows the story of Lucas and Elias as they learn to live again with their mother coming back from plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. She just got a, a whole facial rearrangement, like a lot, like several you know, several different surgeries that require extensive amount of time to heal and, you know, heal the face. If you've ever seen somebody with plastic surgery, uh, their face is covered with bandages for a while. And it's, it's pretty frightening imagery. I mean, like, if you think about facial reconstruction, you're literally breaking cheekbones and breaking chin bones and nose bones. Like, I mean, plastic surgery is pretty grotesque if you think about it absolutely now lucas and elias are pretty young kids i'd say they're maybe like 12 13 so having mom disappear and then come back with a weird face looking different kind of acting different because she's in the process of recovery mm -hmm. it makes them start to wonder if this is their mummy at all mm -hmm. uh, so the movie follows the children as they try to figure out who this woman is and why is she acting differently than the mommy they remember from the very beginning they are very against this woman be it their mother or not they're plotting against her there's just absolutely no trust towards this what these children perceive as basically a monster uh, e even the way it's shot um, just makes the woman look like a terrifying creature <laughs> like there are several different scenes that make me very scared of this lady absolutely and the the movie does a really good job of putting you into the childlike perspective of lucas and elias mm. especially on the first watch through yeah and i think that's essential to enjoying the film so if you haven't watched this movie you should go watch it and come back and listen to us and if you have watched this movie you should go watch it a second time because it's very different on the second mm -hmm. watch through i had a drastically different viewing experience my second time than my first and i can't say it was a good change so i think the best way to talk about this movie is to just real quick run through the plot and then we'll sort of dive back into the interesting parts of this movie because this is a pretty long movie with only 
stuff happening in the last 20 minutes. And also the events of the, like, you know, the first hour of the movie is basically different situations showing how fucked the scenario is that Elias Lucas and the mother are in. Um, it, it just, this whole, the whole movie sets this tone of a very dysfunctional little family and it all kind of comes to a head towards the end. So this movie starts following Elias through a corn maze, uh, not a corn maze, I guess just a corn field. Yeah. Um, and he's playing hide and seek with his brother, uh, sort of just childlike. There's a lot of scenes like that. Just yeah. them hanging out. I'd say almost fun. dreamlike. It's very much from a child's perspective. That that scene where they're jumping on the uh, whatever that was, like the little spongy stuff. Yeah, that looks like, so fun. I don't know what that was. It's like mud or something. Yeah, I would jump on that for hours. Yeah, so the, the children are playing together, and they eventually make their way back to their home, uh, where their mom pulls up in a car, and they enter the bedroom where their mom is closing all the blinds and the mother turns around and for the first time the children see their mom after some amount of time um and she looks grotesque uh because she's still got the bandages on yeah, her face she's she, very frightened even her eyes have uh like a little bit of blood in them their little bloodshot yes. and it's actually the first time the actors lucas and elias had seen the yeah. mother right if you look at their expression it is shock and it's something that would be very impressive for a child actor to pull off yeah. where they weren't actually shocked. Yeah. She didn't look good. No. <laughs> it was scary. I could, I can only imagine being a kid, like an eight year old and seeing my mom's face all bandaged up and, you know, not looking the same, mm-hmm. how revolting that would be. Putting yourself in the perspective of these kids, like that's not their mom coming home. No. Uh, and she kind of snaps at the kids. Um, she turns around and doesn't really welcome them. Doesn't really say hello. She just sort of tells them like, you're dirty, go get clean. Yeah. That was their first interaction after, you know, God knows how long. And it's pretty curt. And I feel kind of bad for the kids immediately. I'm already in a situation where I'm like, wow, these kids are kind of being treated like garbage. And on the first watch through, that's exactly what I felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching it on the second watch through and third watch through, it's like, oh, these kids are just playing in the mud. Yeah. Like, they're obviously dirty. Go, go take a shower. Yeah. You're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mud in the house. <laughs> so immediately, there is a big difference between how we see mommy on the first and last watch through. And that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of how we see things differently. Mm-hmm. How dirty their muddy clothes are. <laughs> so I kind of want to describe the house that this movie takes place in because this movie really takes place just in one house beautiful house and it's uh, there's a little bit of like exterior scenes outdoors beautiful countryside just Mm -hmm. a beautiful place they are uh is this in germany or austria do you know austria well the movie takes place in austria okay yeah um i don't actually know where it was filmed okay uh just beautiful i mean if i lived there that that house that real estate those mountains absolutely Um, Something I thought was interesting was reading an interview with the directors. They talk about how the house is uh, sort of a reflection of mom. Uh, And it's a very modern house. So it's like sharp edges. Everything's paintings on the wall are super weird. Yeah, it's very cool. It's not warm at all. It's just like cool and modern. And it kind of feels like big and empty almost. Like, I feel like this house goes really well with the tone of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like everything is so clean and nice and well put together and modern it's almost just like a cold atmosphere this house doesn't feel lived in no it's very sterile and in many ways not practical for the size of family that lives there going back to those paintings on the wall like they're literally like weird abstract art shots of what i assume to be the mother Mm -hmm. but so blurry that you can't tell and it's like black and white it's just weird like why would you put that on your wall 
yeah, the the mother's design sensibilities are strange at best. <laughs> um, so the children get cleaned up, they take a bath, and then they come back to the kitchen to sort of regroup with mom, where she is fixing some lemonade uh, for Elias. Or maybe it's iced tea. I think it was iced tea, yeah. And Elias asks, why can't Lucas have some? And the mommy says, you, you know, know why. why. And that's our first hint that something's not quite right about these kids. It's pretty subtle. Um, I mean, we both had very drastically different first viewing experiences, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is nine minutes in. So this is very, very early, early. movie. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the difference between Kelton and I's viewpoint here is when I saw that, I immediately assumed Lucas was dead. I didn't. Uh, my very first note I wrote down was Lucas dies at birth, which is not the case. But I did have an inkling that he was dead. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it actually took me a, a decent bit of time to realize the you know big twist of this movie. The movie sort of bounces back and forth between the kids and them interacting with the mom, and the kids are losing trust that this is their mother. They play a little game together where they put the sticky notes on their head and have to guess what they are. And you know, Elias puts. Or is it Lucas? Uh, well, anything physical is done by Elias. Okay. So, so Elias puts uh, the, the mommy post-it note on her head or whatever, and she can't guess who mommy is. Noch einen Tipp. Du hast zwei Kinder. Woher soll ich wissen, wer alle zwei Kinder hat? Kenn ich die Person? Ja. Just weird little things that are like, huh, well, there's something not quite right here with this with this family unit at this point at least for me it was pretty clear that lucas is maybe a ghost or he's dead yeah on subsequent watch throughs this scene was really interesting because for me this was the mother attempting to connect with her children mm. playing a game with them yeah something i did not feel like was happening in the first uh, she was she was trying and failing miserably but at least she tried the kids immediately pick up on mommy not recognizing that she's mommy and the next scene is the kids in bed listening to an old recording of their mom singing to him saying that she doesn't sound like the same person and this is where things really start to fall apart for the kids in terms of them believing that this is their mother and this scene kind of stood out to me because uh i feel like at this point you realize that elias is kind of latching on to the last the last real uh the the real version of his mother i i feel like before she went in she was mommy and then when she got out she was this totally different because i mean we're not even taking into account her emotional state there's a lot of things that go into it that we'll explain later but just her physical appearance has changed and she's not the same mom as before yeah and and the boys kind of come to a consensus that uh this isn't mommy and it's hard to tell who sort of throws the idea out first if it's lucas or elias um but lucas seems to be sort of pushy lucas is the perpetuator i feel like in this movie yeah lucas is the it's just really eerie lucas just feels like this hovering entity over elias's shoulder you know guiding his hand and and several parts throughout the movie it becomes way more blatant way more obvious that this thing is controlling him whatever it may be and it just progressively gets more and more unsettling. In fact, you can see it in the movie poster, now that I'm thinking about it, of literally Lucas hovering over Elias' shoulder. Yeah. It was very intentional. The way, even where he stood, how much he talked, what he said. Um, a lot of intention went into this movie. So the kids slowly develop the idea that they need to interrogate this woman, tie her to a bed, and find out... You're not the out, real mommy. We yeah. need to figure out where mommy is. 
and they do it in a very childlike sort of way. But at the end of the day, it's still terrifying it's to still have torture. a woman tied to her bed being tortured by children, mm-hmm. um, especially on subsequent watch throughs, because it you lose the perspective of the child the more you watch it, because yeah. now you see it for what it is. It is just a torture scene. Yeah. So uh, a big part of this movie is you as a viewer are viewing it through the eyes of a child, Lucas and Elias. The breakdown of that perspective of a child is what makes this movie kind of horrifying. The horror truly derives from, I watched this thinking a certain way, and I finished the movie thinking in a certain way, and when I watched it again, I realized that me thinking that certain way the entire first watch through was wholly incorrect. And it just felt so gut-wrenching, almost. Once the illusion is shattered for you and you start watching it from like an adult perspective on your second watch through, you realize that the movie got you to root for terrible things by getting you to see it through the eyes of Elias. For an, uh, an evil child. He did evil acts. And the entire movie, we hate mom. We were rooting for the bad guy. So to just key off that and finish up our little plot summary here is we rooted for Elias and Lucas up to the point where they kill their mother. Elias burns the house down with him and his mother in it. And I was still rooting for him the first watch through. Mm -hmm. That is how deep this deception goes. In the end of the movie, you think, oh, Elias killed the monster, the monster mommy. Like that was kind of like, oh, wait, you know, like. I was trying to apply normal movie logic to this movie and it just didn't work because the way that movies work is like the end is is like closure, right? When I watched the second time, I realized the end is not closure. The end is just sad. The end is just the end of a very dark, horrible tale of a little Austrian family. Yeah, the, like there is no real thesis statement here. It's just a bunch of events happen and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And... I want to quote something the director said. One of the key themes of this movie is miscommunication. And um, it's prevalent throughout the entire movie. At any point, if one of these two characters, Elias and the mother, communicated what they were dealing with emotionally or going through or, or just tried to talk about the horrible situation they're in. I mean, the father divorced her, the mother, and they left. We can assume before the events of whatever happened. And we'll go into your theory on how Lucas died in a sec. But my belief is that Elias started a fire in the field and killed his brother. And after that, the mother goes and gets her cosmetic surgery. It was already planned. There were pictures on the walls. She'd been planning this for a very long time, we can assume. And after the the fire, she goes and gets cosmetic surgery, leaving Elias all alone in this home with no father. His brother's gone, totally abandoned in this countryside modern home. And, and I believe this is where he creates Lucas. He creates this... Uh, we all know that children create imaginary friends. This is a normal thing. And what happened was Elias created Lucas as a safety net, as someone to make him feel less alone. And as a result, unfortunately, the safety net who he trusts, who, who guides him, led him to do some unspeakable things to his mother. Which we buy into on the first watch through. It all seems pretty reasonable and justified. Never at any point did I think the boys were doing anything wrong on my first watch through. I, it never crossed my mind where I was like, why are they, this, this poor mom. I never thought, you know, this poor mother. There was nothing presented 
consciously that would lead us to believe that the mother was not a monster. All signs point towards monster, including uh, the sort of dream sequence where she walks into the woods and kind of becomes a monster. It starts, you know, that weird, I feel like they've been doing it in movies for a while now. I still don't know how they do it. I'd like to know, but like clearly just like shaking her head and going crazy and like looking like an alien almost. It kind of reminded me of, uh, what's that movie of the, the alien girl that Angelina Jolie, not Angelina Jolie. What's her name? The really hot actress that uh, is an alien and she fucks dudes. Go on. You've you've seen this movie. Uh, it's, it's Scottish. It's like a Scottish movie. Scarlett Johansson's in it. She's an alien. Is it a Marvel she, movie? No, no. It's a weird indie. We should watch this on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you've never, I could have sworn you've seen this. Scarlett Johansson. I thought I talked about it with you. I'll find it. Under the Skin. I haven't seen it. Okay. There, there's also a slight fourth wall break in this scene where she knows where the camera is and she turns her face away from the camera so that we can't see her because she walks into the forest, gets naked, and also takes off all the bandages on her face. And the camera starts to pan around her and she turns her face away from the camera in a knowing way before she freaks out and goes crazy. In order to understand how the miscommunication takes place, you kind of have to understand what each character is going through. And the mother, for example, she's going through kind of an identity crisis, I would say. Her husband left her, and I can only imagine that's a horrible feeling. You know, your 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 husband who you've, uh, you know, birthed two kids with is gone, um, and you lose one of your children, and the other child is clutching on to this reality that he's still alive. Uh, even though we have different theories on how Lucas died, I think we both agree that to some extent it was Elias's fault. So yes. not only does she lose a child, uh, she thinks that her living child is the reason why the other one's dead. Be it on purpose or not, it, it's a horrible, horrible real life scenario. I mean, when you remove the context of a film and you think about this as a family in Austria having to experience this, it really is painful to think about. And I think the big thing with the mother is you can see it throughout the film. The paintings on the wall of her, but it's blurry. She used to be a uh, performer, I believe. They looked her up. Yeah, she was a host on television. Yeah, and and I mean, that's a whole other can of worms because your television personality might be completely different than your actual working state. That's another thing that feeds into this I didn't even think about that, but the Mm. kids are already probably grappling with who their mommy is on TV versus who she is in real life. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of small little psychological things that feed into why the characters do what they do. And I think it's, I think it's really well done because it's not obvious. None of this is obvious, but if you kind of take it and, and put it all together, you can realize like, oh, this mother is dealing with uh, her identity. Just, uh, she wanted a new face. I can just imagine like feeling so, so not yourself that you need to spend thousands of dollars and permanently alter your face. I mean, I'm not going to get into a discussion of whether or not plastic surgery is necessary. I think it's all contextual, but I mean, they Googled their mom before she got her surgery and she looked fine. And this identity crisis of the mother is something that is definitely dealt with in the film, but you don't notice it on the first watch through because it seems like she's just being creepy. Mm -hmm. Whereas once you understand who she is 
and what she's dealt with, it makes a lot of sense that she might stare at herself in the mirror for a while and like try on her old clothes and see how they fit. Um, this isn't somebody trying to impersonate her mother. This is just her mother trying to figure out who she is. Trying to figure herself out again. And, and the trailer, even. The trailer makes her look like a demon. <laughs> the trailer is insane. Did the, you watch it? Yes. It's hilarious having watched the movie, how the trailer makes the whole movie seem way different. The trailer makes this look like a, your average horror movie. Mommy's evil. Mommy's bad. They make it look like she eats a cockroach in the trailer. Yeah. Which is like, I, th whoever edited the trailer had to feel like such a sense of accomplishment to make that, to pull that off. I feel like the trailer is like pitching a, an alternate version of this movie where the mom really is batshit crazy. Yeah. And torture, like just dements these kids and is like, no, you can't have a cat and then kills the cat. And then, you know, jerks Elias around and, you know, is rough with them. And it, the trailer makes you think this is a completely different movie, which that being said, I'd still watch the movie. Like the trailer's good. It's not a bad trailer. It's just, it gave a completely different outlook on what the actual film entailed. Oh, so I do want to point out one thing. We keep on calling the mom character mommy because the story never tells you her name. You can deduce what her name is uh, if you look closely at like the web pages yeah, that they the kids are looking at. Yeah, they Google at. her and she pops up on Google Images. I think it's like Marie Annette Schwartz or something. Marie Christine Mettler. And in fact, Elias, literally the main character of the story, we don't learn his name until 49 minutes into the movie. So the it's not important, the names of these characters, really. Yeah, yeah. It is easier to say mommy instead of, uh, <laughs> what, what was it one more time? Uh, Marie Christine Mettler. Marie Christine Mettler. Yeah, I'm going to stick to mommy. Yeah, because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, nobody would notice that if they watched the movie. Yep. I intentionally went slowly, frame by frame, to find the name. There's nobody else that you could confuse for mommy there's not there's not another woman there's literally three characters there's no well technically there's what six but yeah but, but three characters that matter yeah the three the other three characters are on the screen for maybe two minutes at a time or whatever um so something i want to talk about with this movie is how the cinematography changes as sort of the movie uh, as sort of the attitude of the children towards the mother changes uh, at the beginning of the movie, except for when the children are playing outside, it's pretty locked off. Uh, the camera might slide around, uh, it might be on a tripod and pan around, but that changes once the kids tie mommy to the bed and begin to interrogate her. Suddenly we have shaky cam, handheld, and that pretty much lasts for the rest of the movie. This is like 20 minutes left or so, I'd say. Yes, it's a, it's amazing how much happens in the last- Right towards the end there. The last 15 minutes, yeah. It really just ramps. The cinematography is not flashy in this movie at all. Yeah, which I think is fitting. Yes. I don't I I don't think this movie needed that. But I can appreciate the the thoughtfulness that yeah. went into that. Yeah. I will say the cinematography makes every like going back to the house doesn't look lived in. A lot of low angles. Oh yeah. A lot of uh you know just strange angles, a lot of wides with dead space. Now I'm thinking about it. Mom for the most part is presented at a low angle from a childlike angle. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the experience of this movie on your first walkthrough is that of a child. And it's really up to you to, I mean, it's almost like a commentary on the world at large, right? Like you can choose to watch this movie through the perspective of a kid and take this meaning of, you know, the mom's horrible and, and never watch this movie again. And you can assume that, the, that that's what the movie's about. But I mean, if you watch it again, it's, it's blatant that this child has 
clearly been emotionally traumatized and some very serious psychological repercussions take place that lead to a horrible act. Now, I think this movie was incredibly skillfully done because I did not have this realization until I watched it for a second time for the show. I did not finish my first watch through and think, that was weird. I need to watch it again. It's just by chance I had to watch it again for this podcast. I agree. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, this movie is not the movie I thought it was. I agree. That's what's honestly, that's what excites me about watching more movies for this podcast specifically. Like the fact that I am, you know, not, not like I could watch a movie twice and be comfortable talking about it, but I'm the kind of person where I like watching a movie three, three to five times. I probably would have watched this movie one more time if I had the chance, but uh, I could not. This is a slow movie. Once you know how it pans out. Yeah, I agree. And also the stuff that you pick up that that you pick up on, it's there. There's not a lot of little stuff. I mean, there is little stuff. It's all all of it's very subtle. But once you like realize, oh, Lucas is dead, and and she doesn't know who mommy is, and you know she didn't give Lucas the tea because Lucas is dead. She says, you know why to Elias when he asks why she, Lucas didn't get any tea. All of these little things you you pick up on them, and you you they're there, uh, and it feeds to that perspective thing. So uh, this is definitely a movie that you wouldn't have to watch as much to fully fully grasp it but uh but going back to what i was saying um if i wasn't obligated to watch this movie again to get a refresher on uh on the events of the movie i probably would have lived in perpetuity assuming that this mom was evil i i really when i told you to watch goodnight mommy i did not tell you i did not pitch it as like oh there's this crazy twist at the end i was just like this is a good little foreign horror movie and I, and I want to watch it. Yeah, we should talk about how the the twist is actually sort of a non-twist. The twist is that she was mom all along. Yeah, because um, we'll, we'll go into theories a little bit here now. Um, there's a theory that uh, that's not the real mom. Really? Yeah. Uh, there, is a, there is a theory that uh, that is her twin. I believe at one point it is referenced that she has a twin. Well, that's one of the children's theories, because uh, she has a photo with her and a friend who are dressed very Look similarly. Just, just alike. Yeah. Um, and I believe this plays into Elias's belief that it's not mommy, because there's a very realistic chance, because her, her uh, eyes are a different color now. Now, I do want to speak to the eyes. She mentions that it's contacts, and the kids go to the bathroom to search for contacts to prove that point, to like see if she's lying about the contacts. But in a very childlike move, they're looking on the toilet seat for contacts. Oh, really? Which is something, once again, you, when you're sucked into the movie on the first watch through, you don't pick up on that. You but on the second watch through, I'm like, why the fuck are they looking look at the toilet on the toilet? The, the kids the toilet don't, seat. they don't know what contacts are really. That's probably what's going on. Yeah. They're what? They're eight or whatever? Yeah. Somewhere. They're young. 10 maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like it's. Not surprising that, you know, they got this in their mind, that this wasn't the same person. And all the lengths they go to to try to prove that it was not her. And, and that's the thing. Like, they tried. They, they, they did try to prove that it was not mommy. Yeah, Elias desperately wants to believe that this is his mother. Yeah. And at one point, he goes into the bathroom because he starts getting cold feet about, you know, torturing his mom and trying to get information out of her. I think this is the point where morally he starts realizing that he's doing something wrong. Um, and Lucas 
kind of shows his true colors as this very bad influence and pretty much just pushes him uh he calls him a, a retard i believe uh that's what it said on the uh the subtitles i don't remember yeah he uh he insults him and they get into a fight yeah they get into a fight a physical fight they uh, slap they, each other yeah yeah um and he's basically forced to continue torturing his mom because Lucas is his best friend. He either believes this woman who he's not 100% sure is actually his mother, or he believes his best friend that he sees every day. And when you think about it in the eyes of a kid, it's like you go with what you trust, you know? Yeah, and he's trying to, but he just doesn't understand enough about the world to like know where contacts are. And and that's that's kind of part of the horror of this movie is you you kind of have to watch helplessly as these two very dysfunctional people have this interaction. Um, the mom is broken and trying to figure herself out again. And Elias is lonely and sad and misses his brother and just can't get over the fact that mommy looks different now. Yeah, there's a quote from Severin Fiala, um, the director and writer, who says, everyone has a mother. Most people know what it feels like, how you can be hurt by distance or losing trust. Um, so yeah, that all that's very intentional, um, showing that the Elias is hurting. He's looking for somebody to trust. And all he has is the image of his dead brother. It's not hard to understand why he might be pushed to, well, okay. When you're watching it from his perspective, it's not hard to understand why he might be forced to torture his mother and burn down the house. Yes. Um, going back to watching this movie several times. I feel like this movie was way different for me after multiple viewings compared to most horror movies that I've watched multiple times. Um, I'll use Midsommar as an example. Uh, I love Midsommar, one of my favorite horror movies, and I've watched it probably six or seven times. And every single watch has been progressively just more fun. Um, I like I like noticing the little things, uh, just things I missed. Because now that I know the plot, I can look at all these little things that build up. And... I can do that with Goodnight Mommy too, but it's not fun when I realize everything. With Midsommar, when I find the quirks and the intricacies that lead to this cult thing, it's cool. And it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea that this was taking place. Oh, this makes sense. But as the more Goodnight Mommy makes sense, the sadder it gets. The more existentially horrifying and depressing it makes the movie. Imagine watching this movie without Lucas being there and just watching Elias by himself doing it. And it is much more scary. Yes. And, and realistically, you could do that. If you just ignore that character existing, he doesn't actually have lines that change anything. All of the stuff being done is all, all the actions are via Elias. All of Lucas's dialogue is Elias talking to himself. The thing... This movie pulls such a trick on the audience. Any other movie where like you're somebody's getting like tortured and like something terrible is happening to them, typically even if they don't deserve it, like you're not on the side of the torturer. This movie puts you on the side of the monster. And that's what makes it so much worse once you realize what actually was going on. Because like I said before, I was on my first watch, I hated the mother. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I mean, you personally, you knew very early on that Lucas was dead and that there was something amiss, but you still didn't have a full grasp on it. No, I was, I was off base on, you know, what, what was going on. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it so, like, revolting is I was tricked by these directors. Like, not a good trick. Like, I loved that they did this. Um, I've never experienced a horror movie where I watch it again and I'm like, holy shit. 
it got scarier on the second watch. Yeah, absolutely. This movie turned out to be a lot less gruesome in terms of things that would make me cringe than I expected. When we recorded the last episode, I had seen her face in bandages, and I assumed I was getting ready to see some, like, torn up face. Oh, yeah, because you didn't actually have any inclination that that was plastic surgery. No, I had no idea that was part of the movie. Yeah, you thought, like, something horrible had happened to her, and you were probably going to see the scene that resulted in it. So it's amazing that there is blood in this movie. Elias, uh, at one point, glues his mother's mouth shut, and they, (laughs) childlike, they forget they have to feed her, so they have to cut her mouth back open. Cut the glue back open, the glue lips. Um, So, like, as a child, like, obviously they mess up. He botches it and cuts her lip. And it's bloody, but it's it's nowhere near as gory as something from, like, Midsummer. Yeah. But, But I don't think the gore really... Like, whether or not this was gory does not affect how horrifying it is. No, in fact, I think the far more horrifying thing is realizing that the mother pissed herself. Yeah, that takes it to a whole new level of, like, you are not being treated like a human being anymore. Yeah. You are being treated like... And that's the thing. As a child, Elias has no understanding of, like... Oh, this this is a lady that has to go to the bathroom sometimes. He's not a he's not a he's never kidnapped somebody before. He doesn't know what he's doing. And you, you just really and there's just so many different things about this situation as you go on. It's like, God, this should not be happening. How did this get to this point? Was there no one involved in these people's lives that realized their spiral? You feel helpless. You're watching a train wreck. And you can't look away. And and even the the third watch was even more painful because from the beginning of the movie, I know everyone was going to die in a fire at the end of the movie. I actually think Elias survives at the end. Of the movie. Really? Yeah. My, my only note there is that at the end of the movie, once Elias burns down the house, he walks into the uh, cornfield that he was playing in in the beginning. And he meets up with his uh, mother who just died in the fire and Lucas. Uh, everybody's clothes are perfectly clean except for Elias. His clothes are dirty. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I- yeah, in my mind, they all died, and then they, and then whenever they're like joining hands at the end, they were all like in you know heaven or whatever in their own little dreamscape. But that makes sense. If he has dirty clothes on, then like, oh, that's that's even more fucked up though. Like, I kind of wish he just died and they were in he- this little heaven world because now it's like Elias is alone on this property with a burnt down house with his dead mother inside. Like, just thinking about the real world logistics of like this is a kid that's alone in the woods now. Ugh, man. It's like the more I think about the the real life aspect of this movie. Because Midsommar, you, you look at the real life aspects and it's like, there's not actually a freaking cult yeah. that lives in the meadows in Sweden and they sacrifice people. I mean, yeah, whatever, maybe. But th- this is something I could see like on the news. Like just some sick, twisted event that took place. And, and it's kind of like this movie shows you the mind of people that do these things. Yeah. They, I didn't even think about they, that. They didn't, they didn't, he didn't want to kill his mom. He just didn't think that was his mom. And the mom was too helpless to stop him because she's dealing with her own battles. And it's like, the more you realize like, wow, yeah, these, all, these things all happened. And there was nothing that could have stopped it because there was no intervention. Why did you recommend this movie to me? I recommended this movie to you because uh, I just thought it was a unique little foreign horror film. And and that's the honest truth. Like, it, it's funny because, like, I'm supposed to be an expert on these things and, like, presenting you with films that have depth and so much to learn about them. And 
truly, I recommended this movie to you on a pretty flat surface level. You know, I like this movie. Um, and having analyzed it, having, you know, consumed it for this podcast, I can walk away saying it's a completely different reason why I would recommend someone to this movie. If you were to recommend this movie to somebody else in the future, would you recommend that they watch it twice? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I would tell them, you know, watch it once and, you know, kind of collect your thoughts on it. And when you get a chance, watch it again and see what you think. Because, I mean, obviously some people don't want to watch the movie twice and that's what, you know, that's whatever. But I mean, me personally, the experience of watching something a second time and, and completely morphing my understanding and idea of the movie is just so fascinating. Uh, I can't think of a movie that's ever done it like this, this jarring. Like I literally believed something that wasn't true. For, and, and that's the thing. I watched this movie years ago. So for years, I thought that the mom was the bad guy, you know? And then I just watch it again. And all it took was one watch, one more watch after a few years. And I was like, oh, I had this movie all wrong. Yeah, I was totally blown away the second time I watched it. In fact, I was sort of resisting watching it a second time because like, I thought I sort of figured out the movie. I, I, thought, I thought I'd taken everything away from it that I needed to. And then the second watch through, I was just fully engaged once again as I realized how fucked up the whole movie actually was. And, and that's horror, man. Like, it, it, it continues to amaze me the different ways that horror can take shape on the platform because... This is not your traditional horror movie at all. I mean, this is a weird film. And the horror isn't, you know, there's a monster in the house trying to kill the kids. The horror isn't uh, Elias is an evil, demented child trying to kill his mom. You know, we've seen those. We've all seen those movies a thousand times. This movie is about a family unit being shattered and people losing their lives. It's sad. It's depressing. It, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Requiem for a Dream levels of like gut-wrenching yeah that's kind of a, oh, yeah, that's a good god so. like you are showing us the most horrible side of humanity and it's not even like they did it on purpose it's this is what the human brain does coping mechanisms and illusions and it's a dark dark world my friend it is now fortunately i don't think we're gonna have these struggles with the second watch through on our next movie what is it texas chainsaw massacre i think it's far more likely that what would I get on the first watch through of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what I'll get on the second watch through. I can promise you that the side you pick will be the same side your second watch through. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you will never at any point think that the antagonist is a good guy. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> uh, Kelton, I've got, I got some news for you, actually. Yeah? I'm kind of looking forward to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Are you? Yeah. I, I feel like I've caught the bug to yeah. a certain extent. You realized how cool horror is? Yeah, I'm kind of getting into it. Yeah, and, and what's the the reason why I watch, you know, horror movies over and over again is it's it's kind of like conquering my fears sort of thing. It's like, yeah, it was really scary my first time, but I watched it again, and it was a little less scary and it was more like it was more cool. And then I watched it a third time and it's like, oh, I see what the I see what the director was going for here. Um it, it's almost like you get desensitized to it. Not to say that like that's a bad thing. It's you, you pay less attention to the gore and the grime and the, the horrible acts. And you pay more attention to like, how did this make the piece as a whole? And, and that's, that's why I do it. Like figuring out how, what makes the directors tick. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you're interested in watching us cover uh, a bona fide horror classic, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the most important horror films, in my opinion, to the horror industry, 
tune in for the next episode of Feargenics. Absolutely. And if you are interested in following us on social media, check us out on Instagram at Feargenics Official, Twitter at Feargenics, our website, feargenics.com, or email us at podcast at feargenics.com. That is a lot of feargenics. Uh-huh. Why did we make so many channels? I just got a little bit crazy. You just need one. Make a Vimeo. We have a Vimeo yet? This is the one thing we don't have. I'll have to get that. <laughs> By the time you're listening to this, we will have a Vimeo. We will have a Vimeo. Do not worry, all you Vimeo fans out there. Oh, I just remembered. We are now on YouTube. Go check out Pontypool. If you've listened to the first episode, go check that out on YouTube. We got really meta with the video. We and made I think a pretty like cool it. little visualizer that uh, we think you'll like, especially if you've seen Pontypool. Um, even if you haven't, you know, it's, it's still neat. I want to go ahead and thank Intercut Productions and the whole team, Zach Heald, Rami Tyler, Brian Crum, uh, of course, my co-host, Kelton. Thank you. And uh, thank you all the audience members tuning in. You know, we're doing this for you guys. Yes, the ones who have talked to us on Twitter. Thank you so much. It's been fun to talk about Pontypool with you. Tony Burgess retweeted us. You know, this is this is awesome. You know, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on our Descent into Darkness. We'll see you guys next time. Descent into Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot my own fucking thing. <laughs> Bye. Bye.